Welcome back, y'all, to another episode of the Out of View NBA Show. It's been a while since our last episode, so I'm glad to be back talking about NBA basketball. On this episode, we'll talk about the trade deadline madness that took place a few days ago. We'll also get into all the action around the association. It's a jam-packed episode. Let's get right into it. y'all to another episode it's been a while since our last episode y'all so i do want to apologize for the inconsistency uh with the episodes over the last few weeks moving forward we'll have an episode a week so like i said man thank you for all the supporters all the fans out there that do support this podcast who do support the nba out of you show i mean uh your support does not go unnoticed and i do want to sincerely apologize for the lack of inconsistency on my end. So on this show, I really do want to talk about all that has taken place over the last couple of days. It's been chaotic around the NBA. There's been a lot going on. There's a lot of superstars who've been traded, which is pretty surprising. You usually don't get this amount of deals uh, during the deadline. That usually happens over the summer. So this deadline was a little different than we're they were used to seeing, but I'm, I'm glad it happened and it, and, it, and it happened the way that it did happen. I think it's going to make for a lot more exciting basketball, especially in the Western Conference. The Eastern Conference was the more competitive uh, before all these trades took place. But I think that has changed now that uh, a few superstars have moved conferences. So let's first start off. With the Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets traded Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. The Kyrie Irving trade did not come at a surprise at all. There was an expectation that Kyrie would probably not re-sign with the team uh, just because all the, the, the things that were happening in the beginning of the season, and not only just the beginning of the season, but things that had happened uh, in prior years. So it was a little quick to happen. I think that was, that was probably the better way. To contextualize it, everything kind of happened uh, within the span of a few days. A trade was demanded, and he was quickly traded to the Dallas Mavericks. Um, the trade included Dorian Finley-Smith, a couple of first-round picks, and Spencer Dinwiddie coming to the Brooklyn Nets, while Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris went over to the Dallas Mavericks. I love the trade for the Mavericks. I think the Mavericks now have a bona fide superstar that they can pair along. Luka Doncic, they will be dynamic at the guard position. I mean, those guys can play the one and the two. They're interchangeable. Kyrie can play on the ball, can play off the off the ball. So they're going to be a one-two uh, scary matchup for any team. So I love I love the pickup for, for the Dallas Mavericks. How that plays out during the summer, it's hard to say. Uh, I think the Dallas will do all that they can to to re-sign Kyrie Irving, but this potentially will be the last con- large contract that he signs in the NBA. So I'm sure it's going to have to be, I guess, a destination that he's really that he's comfortable being at, one where he can see himself winning possibly multiple championships. The Dallas Mavericks, um, Luca is still a fairly young player, so I, potentially it can be a place where he can play long term and he can possibly uh, win championships with the team. There's, they still have to round out the roster and uh, add a little more depth on the wings and, and get, I guess, more uh, 
reliable big man and just more depth on the roster all in all. But it's him and, and, and Luca are definitely a, a great starting point. So I think Dallas will definitely be in the conversations of a team that I guess picked to spend the rest of his career with. But there are rumors that the Los Angeles Lakers are one of those teams too. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I know that Kyrie shot himself in the foot a little bit just because of uh, I guess the perception of him over the last few years that's been curated by him being very outspoken uh, towards the media. So that will also, I guess, decrease the amount of teams that may be interested in him. But who's to say, man? We'll see when the summer comes along what the market for him looks like. But like I said, man, the Dallas Mavericks will be a scary team when it comes to the playoffs. And I think how they perform this postseason will dictate a lot uh, whether or not they're willing to Resign Kyrie or willing, I guess, going a different direction. In regards to Kevin Durant, the Phoenix Suns definitely hit a home run with this trade. I know a lot of people feel feel different. I mean, they may feel um, they may feel that I guess the Phoenix Suns may have given up a little too much in this trade. They gave up Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, and four first round picks, along with a couple of pick swaps. While I guess the Suns received Kevin Durant and TJ Warren. But I like it for, for Phoenix. I mean, why why make a, I guess, a mediocre trade that may make you, I guess, incrementally better when you can make a trade like this that will definitely, I guess, pitch you at the top of the Western Conference and give you a real legitimate chance of winning the NBA championship. I mean, they have pretty much one through five. They have every position covered. You got DeAndre Ayton, who's above average center. I mean, he's a 20 and 10 guy. Then you got KD, TJ Warren, who could step in and play the four. You have Chris Paul, Devin Booker. I mean, that is a complete team right there. So the, the Phoenix Suns are probably the favorites to come out the Western Conference after making this trade. I do understand that Kevin Durant's a little older. I, I believe he's 34 years old. So you only have a really, you have a finite, I guess, amount of time to, to really be able to win championships uh, with this trade. And I think some of the picks that they did make, they did trade to the Brooklyn Nets uh, span. Um, I think the last, I think it goes up until 2029. So I, I, I do understand that argument. But at the end of the day, man, Devin Booker's still fairly young. So they'll be a competitive team. I mean, Devin's like, what, 26? So if if all goes well and Devin's still on that team, they'll be a competitive team in 2029. So I think those picks are a little, they're over. I mean, trading those picks are, are a little overblown. Uh, there's other ways to acquire picks. Uh, they can trade 18. If you trade 18, you'll acquire first round picks in that trade. There's other pieces that they can trade to acquire first round picks. So, I mean, I think you, you do this trade, man, every single time. 10 out of 10 times, you got to do this trade. Kevin Durant is a lethal, uh, he's, he's a phenomenal talent. He's not a talent that's really on the market often. So, great trade for the Phoenix Suns. We'll see how they're able to win a championship after this trade. But so far, man, I think it was a great trade for them. Another team that was able to improve their team over the deadline is the Los Angeles Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers, surprisingly, were able to trade Westbrook. And a couple other pieces. Thomas Bryant was traded, but those are separate deals. I love I like this trade for, for the Los Angeles Lakers. They were able to acquire Vanderbilt, 
D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, all those guys are are in their primes. So I think it's it's a great trade for the Lakers. It gives them some shooting. Uh, it gives them some perimeter guys that are really, uh, I guess, good offensive players. It gives them the shooting that, like I said, the shooting that they need. It gives them just better guard play. And I think this is kind of what you need around LeBron James. You need guys who can shoot. I didn't understand what they did this past summer acquiring guys that can't shoot on their roster. So they, they were able to correct those wrongs and I guess just have a, a better team uh, moving forward. I don't know if this team will get them to the postseason, but I believe they're still they're in the 12th seed uh, while this episode is being recorded. So um, they still have a, a they're not too far from being in the plane or being in a playoff seat. I know the the, the Western Conference, uh, I guess they're probably only like six games or four to five. I can't remember. It's between four to six games being locked in in the postseason. So it's it's fairly close. So we'll see how they play uh, moving forward. But, I mean, these deals improve the team, so I can't be mad at them. They still they got Rui uh, from the Washington Wizards in a separate deal. So they're a much better team. Uh, I think this they'll probably next season will have a better idea of how this team will look and if this team could be a contender uh, in the Western Conference. But like I said, man, we'll see how the rest of the season goes along. And and so far, man, I, I'm not, I can't be mad at this the deals that they made during the trade deadline. Another team that I want to talk about is the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors were a team that was talked about a lot over the last few weeks. They ended up actually not making a significant deal at the trade deadline. They acquired Jacoperto, who they drafted back in 2016. Uh, he was sent to the San Antonio Spurs with DeMar DeRozan and the Kawhi Leonard trade. So the Toronto Raptors are a team that were in the market uh, for a center, and they were able to, I guess, acquire a guy they're familiar with and, and someone who fits the style of play that, uh, that they play um, game to game. So I don't think it's a bad deal for them. I think giving up a first-round pick is not that big of a deal. I think Jakob, we'll, we'll see how he fits with the team. But like I said, man, I think it was a decent deal for them. I'm more surprised that they didn't make any other deals at the deadline. I thought that they would have maybe uh, tried to trade OG Ananobi or Fred Van Vliet. There were, I guess, guys that were... Uh, mentioned uh, quite a bit before the trade deadline, and I, they decided to stand pat. Masai Ujiri, their, their, their general manager, uh, had a press conference the other day, and I guess one of the reasons as to why they didn't trade those guys, they didn't feel like any of the deals that were on the table would make them significantly better. Uh, Van Vliet, I guess his his market was, uh, was pretty lukewarm. They weren't going to get much in return, so they'd rather just kind of just stand pat and not trade him and, and see, I guess, what deals may be there when the summer comes around. I can't be mad at that, man. They have a better, I guess, understanding of what the market value are for for their players and, I guess, us fans do. So it makes sense. It makes sense when he broke it down. In, in regards to OG Ananobi, um, I think it was a little bit of the same. I think like, the deals that may have been on the table just weren't some of the deals that they were looking for. Some of those deals did include first-round picks that have been uh, reported across the board. But I guess the Raptors were looking for a player, a solid prospect, in addition to those picks, and they weren't able to get what they were looking for in the market. I understand it. I understand why they went the direction that they went in. There's a little redundancy on their roster, and at some point they may need to 
explore trading uh, some of the players on their team. Like, I think OG, he's a good player, but you have Precious, and that's that creates a little redundancy on the roster when you have both of those guys who uh, essentially kind of play the same role, right? You need guys uh, who have various, uh, I guess, skill levels and, and, and guys that can do different things on, on the floor. I think at some point they will, I guess, kick the tires and, and try to trade one of those guys. You're going to have to pick one of those guys to pay at some point in time, but this trade deadline just wasn't the time for them to really make that decision. So we'll see when the summer comes along uh, how the Raptors reconstruct their team. I don't think Fred VanVleet will be there for much longer. I think his time there may um, be coming to an end. Uh, he does a lot of things well, but there's a lot of limitations in his game, and he's not, the, I guess, the floor general that they need to really uh, get to the, to the next level. So we'll see how this, how this uh, unfolds. He does have the, the potential to become a free agent this summer. Uh, he can exercise his player option if he chooses to. I think he probably will. He'll probably uh, see what the market is looking like and try to become a free agent and sign a longer-term deal before he's uh, the age of 30. So, like I said, man, the Toronto Raptors, uh, I, I don't. I can't be mad at the direction that they went in. We'll, we'll see when the summer comes along, man, just what direction they, they end up going in. Man, that's, that's all for... For now, uh, let's get into our next segment, which is the top five fantasy basketball sleepers uh, for this week. Let's get right into it. All right, y'all. Let's get into the top five fantasy basketball sleepers for this week. Uh, The first selection I have is Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler is a center for the Utah Jazz. Kessler has been playing pretty well over the last few weeks. He's been inserted to the starting lineup. His production has seen an increase since then. He's averaging nearly 10 points and 10 rebounds for the season. And he's also averaging about two blocks per game, which is quite impressive. He had a notable performance against the Toronto Raptors last week where he had 17 points, 14 rebounds, and seven blocks. He's a pretty impressive player. Like I said, he's only a rookie. I don't think you can go wrong by adding Walker Kessler to your team. The next selection I have is Jordan Poole. Poole may be one of the hotter names because Stephen Curry was injured over the weekend. Jordan Poole has been inserted to the starting lineup. He will be needed to do a lot for the Golden State Warriors. He'll be needed to score at a high clip, and he will be, I guess, just needed to to be uh, play a complete game. He'll have to be a playmaker for them, uh, and he will just have to increase his offensive production in every way possible. So I like Jordan Poole um, for any team that is looking for a guard that, that can score, that can get you, uh, I guess, pretty much anything on the offensive end. He, he's going to get you threes, free throws, uh, and a pretty above average or a pretty decent uh, field goal percentage. So Jordan Poole is definitely a player that is worth adding to your team. Next player I have is Mikel Bridges. Mikel Bridges, for the season, he's averaging nearly 17 points. A lot, a big reason as to why he even got up to 17 points is because uh, the stretch that he's had as of lately, he's been uh, scoring over 20 points. I like what Mikel Bridges is bringing to the table. His uh, defensive numbers are still there. He's still averaging over a block and over a steal. He's still rebounding pretty well. So you can't go wrong with adding Mikel Bridges to your squad. Uh, He's definitely a good pickup for this week and the coming weeks. The next player I have is Dante Divichenko. Divichenko 
Uh, he's another Warrior player. I'm not entirely sure if the Warriors will end up starting him or not, but I think Dante is a is a good pickup considering that he will have a, a large increase in his minutes because of Stephen Curry injury. Dante has been a starter in this league before, so if he is asked to be a starter, he will not have any issue transitioning into that role. He's one of those players that doesn't do anything exceptionally well, but he does a lot of things above average. So he'll get you some points, some rebounds, some assists. He may get you a couple of steals, and uh, he's a pretty efficient player. So if you're a player, if you're a team that needs an end of the bench player that, that can be pretty productive and I guess not impede your field goal percentages or I guess just your efficiency in any sort of way, Dante is a great pickup. The next player and final player I got is Keldon Johnson. Keldon Johnson has been balling this season. Uh, he's increased his scoring average uh, nearly six points from last season. He's averaging around 22 or 23 points a game. He's rebounding pretty well. Uh, he's he's, he's uh, doing well on both offense and defense, and I think he's one of those players that he uh, that will add to your team in, in, a, in a number of ways. Uh, he's probably, like the other players I mentioned, maybe a hard player to get. But for any of those that are playing in daily fantasy basketball, definitely be on the lookout for Keldon Johnson. He will add a lot of production to your lineup, and he will surprise a lot of folks out there that may not know who he is as he's one of those under-the-radar players in the league. Those are my top five daily fantasy basketball sleepers for this week. And that is also it for the episode. For those who are interested in the Moneyline picks, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel where we upload those daily. It is Outerview Sports 5428. So subscribe to us on YouTube. Visit outerview.com if you want to read some of the content that we got up there. Uh, I recently did an article on the Toronto Raptors and kind of, uh, I guess, there's a few directions that they can go for this upcoming trade deadline. Next week, I'll have a piece coming on LeBron James and the phenomenal um, career he has had. So there's a lot of content that's, that's constantly being updated on the website. So definitely visit the website and visit the YouTube for the Moneyline Selections. Like I said, man, that is all for the episode. Like, subscribe, comment. Let me know what you guys think of this latest episode. And I'll catch you guys next week. I'm out.